Thanks for joining us at Reveal, a Jesus-centered community. To learn more about us and what's going on, check us out on the web at www.revealvineyard.com. We hope in the minutes to come, you're able to find God, find others, and find yourself. Thanks again for listening. We are on week three of our series called Ego Trip. Ego is the I or self of an individual. In Latin, ego means I or I am. It is, it is literally what you think about yourself, how you define yourself. It is your ego. It answers the question, who am I? It's what I believe about myself. And egos can be inflated or deflated. Depending where your ego is, uh, if it's unhealthy, uh, ego has the potential to trip us up. That's the title, ego trip. It can, it can, it can create all kinds of uh, problems for us. A couple weeks ago, uh, Al Dake spoke about our feelings of insecurity, uh, and he, or feelings of inadequacy, and he brought up three points we'll put up on the screen there. His first point was that God sees something in you that you do not see in yourself, which is true. And then he said that God has given you more than you think, and I love the passage in 2 Peter that his divine power has given us everything we need, everything we need for a godly life. And then his third point was that ultimately it's not really even about you. It's about his spirit, his power working in us and through us. And, and so whatever the challenge is that you have, whatever lies before you, understand that God sees something in you you do not see in yourself. God has given you more than you realize. And ultimately, it's not even about you. It's about his spirit working in you. And then last week, I spoke about our need for approval. All of us, I said, have something in common. We all want to be known for something. In other words, when you think about you, there are some adjectives bouncing around in your head that you hope other people use when they think of you. It's what you want to be known for. At our core, we all want to be liked. We all want to be respected. We all want to be admired and esteemed. And this is normal and it's natural. But then we said that we have a spiritual adversary who will take our legitimate desire to be liked and distort it into a craving for approval. That, that I just no longer want you to like me. I need you to like me, right? My life rises and falls upon your approval uh, of me. And when egos are, are warped, especially when egos are deflated, and we begin to cr- uh, crave the approvals uh, of other people, we begin to hyper-focus on the opinions of others. And we said that uh, when we focus on what others think about you, it is the fastest way to forget what God thinks about you, right? We get the disease to please that I will become whatever you want me to become in order that you will approve of me. And we said, well, how do we overcome this? Well, the big point was that we're going to live from the approval of God and that we're not going to live for the approval of others. We're going to live from the approval of God and not for the approval of others. And we said, if you're a follower of Christ, you are already loved, you are already accepted, you are already approved. And we unpacked that. And so, uh, listen, if you've missed any of the first two weeks, I encourage you to go on our website. You can listen to it. Download our podcast on iTunes. You can listen to it there. And so today, uh, I've asked uh, Daniel Arianas to come and speak. Daniel, if you will come up. Uh, Daniel's been uh, come to be known as BDA, Bald Daniel Arianas, because we have two Daniels. We have two Daniels, both with the last name of AR. And so emails have been shot uh, and so we just call him BDA now, Bald Daniel Arianas. Uh, and here's what I want you to know, is that uh, Daniel has been good for my soul. Uh, 
Uh, he he uh, is not just one of our leaders. He's really one of our pastors. He does it uh, as a volunteer, uh, comes in on Tuesday afternoons to sit in our staff meeting. He's been instrumental in our regroups this year, uh, especially on the Wednesday night re- uh, dinner groups that we've been doing where we've pulled anywhere from 55 to almost 80 people uh, on our Wednesday night stuff. He's been good to work with. Uh, and so... Uh, this, this man right here, he's been instrumental in doing the, the parking lot stuff that we got going on out there, and uh, he's just been good for my soul to work with. So uh, I've asked him to come and, and give uh, the message on my right to be offended. Mm. Anybody? Anybody? <laughs> if you, if, if you want to be offended, I can offend you really quick, all right? <laughs> Stick around a few weeks, all right? So uh, let's pray, and uh, I'm going to uh, turn it over. Lord... Um, Speak to us today, speak clearly to us, and uh, through your word, through your spirit, I pray that you would uh, use Daniel to uh, speak to us, speak through him, Uh, and Lord, I pray that you would, um, as I pray for myself, speak above him, meaning that it's not just his words landing on us, it's your words, and that uh, what he says is then taken by your spirit, and it is applied to each one of us in whatever way we need it. And so uh, we're submitting ourselves to you to teach us, convict us if it's needed. We know that uh, in in Christ there's no condemnation, but we know that you will uh, will convict and point us in a new direction, and we embrace that. We're okay with that. And so Holy Spirit, come. I pray you would speak through my brother, my friend here, uh, and that uh, you'd be with him, and that you'd be with us. Even as we uh, continue our attitude of worship through our giving right now, uh, that we would place you first in all things, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, brother. It's all Amen. you. Amen. All right. Good morning. <laughs> all right. Well, I was going to um, I was going to have you guys stand this morning for the reading of God's word, but that is going to totally throw off the buckets going around. Um, so what I want to go ahead and do, let's go with that first scripture up there. We could pass buckets and stand. Stand on up. Let's stand on up. Let's stand. We're going to go old school. We're going to stand for the reading of God's word. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I grew up, I put the ways you guys, I didn't expect you guys to read it with me, but I just, we can stand up out of respect. Okay, so you guys are like, man, he reads slow. Um, <laughs> I put the ways of childhood behind me. Tell your neighbors you have a seat. Tell them, let's grow. Go ahead, have a seat. Be seated. Let's grow. Let's grow. That was one of the most awkward reading of God's words ever, but it still has the same amount of power. So the first step in attacking this monster of offense. And my right to be offended is to start with perception. Perception is simply what I see. Perception is simply what you see. And the truth is, I think we'd all agree that everyone everywhere is offended by everything, all the time. We could probably do an entire 12-week series on all the different kinds of offenses, the little ones, the big ones, and the ones that keep our lives down and keep us held down over the long haul. It's as if victimhood has went viral. Being offended is no longer seen as a weakness 
in your character, but rather your constitutional right. Oh, I have a right to be offended. And that didn't offend you? Well, then I'm offended for you. <laughs> the reality is we no longer live in the USA, but rather the USO, the United State of Offense. See, men are offended. Women are offended. Children are offended. Millennials are offended. Baby boomers are offended. Democrats are offended. Republicans are offended. The atheists are offended. The saints are offended. Even the New Orleans Saints are still offended by what happened last year in the NFC Championship game. Vegans are offended. Vegetarians are offended. In fact, true story, there's actually a contingency of vegans that are now calling for the removal of meat-based metaphors like bring home the bacon. They're rallying for less offensive phrases like bring home the broccoli. Animal rights activists have also jumped in on the same bad wagon. Backed by PETA, they found that some of our commonly used phrases and idioms are offensive and are actually encouraging animal cruelty. Phrases like, you're beating a dead horse and you can kill two birds with one stone. These phrases should be removed and replaced with less offensive phrases like, you're feeding a dead horse and you can, kill, you can feed two birds with one scone. <laughs> Some of you guys don't know what a scone was. I didn't either. I had to look it up. All right, like a scone, it rhymes, but I don't know what it is. So, so some of you guys are laughing inside and out loud, LOL. Um, oh, come on, get over it, because it's silly to you, but it's serious to them. So serious that there were some animal activists that actually got arrested recently. These activists were going into steakhouses, and they were using speakers to play the sounds of cows being slaughtered. And when the manager came out and he said no, Listen, you guys can't do this here. You guys got to move. <laughs> the activists refused and were immediately arrested. They got themselves sent to jail because they were offended. This was a serious offense to them. But what's serious to them might be silly to you, and what's serious to you might be silly to them. The truth is everybody has something. We all have those offensive trigger points, and if you're not prayed up, and the wrong person on the wrong day hits that wrong button, you'll be in jail right next to the animal activist. <laughs> Remember, when I was younger, there was a game called Operation, and the game Operation, you had these little tweezers. If you hit the wrong part of the body, that nose would light up like Rudolph at Christmas. That's you. That's me. Don't light me up or I might just light you up. In Matthew 24, the disciples privately came to Jesus and asked him, how can we know at the end of the age, how can we know the end of the age is coming? When are you gonna come back? What are the signs of your return? Jesus gave them a litany of things. He goes on to say that there will be earthquakes and killing, hatred, diseases. Then in Matthew 24, 10, he says, and then many will be offended. In other words, Jesus says that one of the blues clues for his return is that we'll be living in a culture and a society of offense. 
In Luke 17, Jesus gathered his disciples together, and he starts off his conversation with this phrase, it is impossible. Now, anytime the God of the possible said something's impossible, we better pay attention. So what's impossible, Jesus? To heal the sick? To raise the dead? Jesus is like, nope, that's easy. Here's what's impossible. It is impossible that no offenses should come. See, Jesus is promising that offenses, they're going to come. As long as we're living, breathing human beings, offenses are going to come. If you, take a look at the, if you take a look at the text, you'll notice that Jesus didn't say it was impossible not to get offended. He said it was impossible for no offenses to come. Because offenses and offended, they're two separately and distinctly different things. An offense is what happened. Offended is a reaction. An offense says, you did it. Offended says, I'll never forget it. An offense is an event. Offended is a decision. The power of the text is saying offenses, those are inevitable. But offended, oh, that's optional. So if offenses are inevitable and offended is optional, that means, here's the good news, that it is absolutely possible for you to live your life unoffended. Jesus said, I have the power and the grace, the power and the grace that not many believers tap into today. But it is possible for you to live your life unoffended. And here's my question, the question that I've been waiting all week to ask you. What is your current level of offendability? I know offendability isn't in the dictionary, okay? Marty probably already caught that one. But you know what I mean. How much does it take for you to get offended? If you were to look into your own heart, what would you see? What would your level of offendability be? I say this because I had to examine my own heart. And I feel that God said to me, Daniel, you've come a long way, but your level of offendability is way too high, especially when it comes with disrespect. Mm. He said, I have big plans for your life, Daniel. Such big things that you can't even imagine, but you'll never be able to handle the big things if you keep getting offended by the little things. Offenses keep me from my purpose. Offenses keep me, Daniel 1.0, from Daniel 3.0. Speaking of spiritual maturity, let's get practical for, for just for a moment. For many of you have children. Now, whether you have children or not, everybody knows that the initial milestone for growth, because we said let's grow, the initial milestone for growth for your baby is to go from the breast, now the guys are paying attention now, go from the breast <laughs> to the bottle to the baby food to bread to bananas to burgers. Okay, there's a progression from milk to burgers. I was going to say from breasts to burgers. That was going to be the title of my sermon, but I decided to call it Grow Up. Um, for, but that would be, yeah, everybody want to listen to that one. Breasts to burgers. Let me listen to that one. Um, for a spir- from a spiritual standpoint, each of, these, each of these stages is an indication of our level of spiritual maturity as well. 
Paul speaks clearly about this when he says, brothers and sisters, I couldn't speak to you as people who live by the Holy Spirit. I had to speak to you as people who were still following the ways of the world. You aren't growing as Christ wants you to. A mirror. Daniel, you aren't growing as Christ wants you to. You were still like babies. The words I spoke to you were like milk, not like solid food. You weren't ready for solid food yet, and you still aren't ready. In other words, Paul is saying, I want you to grow. I want you to grow up, Daniel. I want you to become the best version of yourself possible, and I'll I'll never become the version of me that I want to be if I don't begin to change my perspective when it comes to how I react to offenses. Next slide. Next slide. I put him to sleep already. Next slide. Oh, no, no, back, back one. There you go. If my per- so if perception is what I see, then my perspective is how I see it. I've created this perspective chart to kind of help better explain it. Go ahead and give me the perspective chart, and anybody that works out at Mount Side Fitness is going to be upset. So what I wanted to do was I wanted to have two different spectrums. Ego, and my ego is immature. My ego is milk-based. My ego keeps me from becoming who I'm supposed to be. My ego edges God out. The other spectrum that we're going to look at is EOS. EOS is meat-based. EOS takes time to digest, but EOS helps me grow up the most. EOS simply stands for edges out self. So every time you're driving by the 303 and you see that sign out there, whether you go to the gym or not, if you got a membership, go. But every time you go, and those of you who have a membership there, you're going to remember this. I want this to stick with you. Edge out self. It's not about me. Is what Eos says. Ego says, it's all about me. There's two opposite attitudes that we have. Ego is an expectation-based, adi- uh, sorry, an expectation-based, um, it's based on a perspective of entitlement. I'm going to tell you, I've been married for 22 years. I spent 19 of those years being offended. See, expectations are a breeding ground for offenses. When I expected that my wife was going to be this person, I expected that my wife should be this. I expected that my wife should be that. I expected when I did this, I got that. I expected when I, I do all of this, I expect this. And when she didn't do those things, I was offended. And I thought it was her. But the problem was with me. See, God turned it upside down, and the last three three years of my marriage have been the best years ever. He took away the expectation, the expectations. Nobody wants to live with the burden of your expectations, fulfilling your expectations, what you want them to be. I want to watch, I wanted to watch, uh, when it came to movies, I want to watch uh, I want to watch the Christian movies. What's the Christian movie? I just blanked. The Overcomer. 
I want to watch a Christian movie. And my wife wanted to watch Bohemian Rhapsody. So I want to watch Heaven is Real. She wants to watch Bohemian Rhapsody. But I could get offended by that. And I'm like, that's, that's who she is. And I have to love her for who she is. I have to remove my expectations because you start to feel entitled when you're living by your expectations. The second side of that says expectancy based on a perspective of grace and hope. So God showed me, and he, he said it when we were in the round. He told me very clearly, and I don't say that I get words from God a, a lot in this clear, but God told me as I was on my knees, he said, be expectant with no expectations. I'm like, what does that mean? And they look like the same word if you're, not, you know, if you're not paying attention to it. Expectancy says, God, you know what? I don't know what you're doing, and it's uncertain what you're doing, but I'm confident that it's good. I don't know what you're doing in my marriage. I don't know what you're doing in my wife. I don't know what you're doing in my children, but I know it's going to be good. And even when it doesn't look good, I know it's going to be good because who's in charge? Next slide. There's two opposite viewpoints that we have as well when it comes to an offense. Offenses many times... When offense happens, it's what I call ground zero. And see, ground zero is focused on feelings and emotions. This is when it's real, when we didn't expect it, and it's right here, and it's hot, and it hurts, and, and, and our, our emotions are going all over the place. We feel angry, we feel irritated, we feel annoyed. Our feelings and emotions are on ground zero. And if we're not careful, if we try to operate and overcome offenses, on ground zero, we're in trouble. That's where you make mistakes. That's where you say things you didn't want to say. So my viewpoint, as I zoom out, now gives me the ability to kind of see the big picture. I'm closer to God's viewpoint, how he sees it. Because God always sees the big picture. He knows the beginning. He knows the end. He, know how, he knows how everything works together for good in the middle. But when I zoom out away from my feelings and my emotions and say, what's going on here? What's going on? Let me get myself out of the equation. Let me get myself out of the situation. I can see clearly. See, ground zero I look for an excuse to get offended. When I'm down here, I can find an excuse to get offended. It's not hard for me to get offended. I, you, you, I'm just waiting for somebody. It's that short fuse, that short fuse mentality that's just, say something. Say something. I, I'm feeling like being, a, so I'm looking for an excuse to get offended. You didn't like my post. I'm offended. You're not, you, you unfollowed me. I'm offended. I'm just looking for an excuse. But when I zoom out, and I know a lot of you guys, you grammar people are like, he spelled excuses wrong. <laughs> I did it on purpose. Because those two words can be very similar. Excuses and overlooks shortcomings. So shortcomings. Eos. Excuses and overlooks shortcomings. If we took the same abilities that we had to make excuses for ourselves 
and begin to excuse other people, if we could flip that upside down, it might be a whole lot easier to live unoffended. Got the next verse. Go ahead and go to the verse. Good sense and discretion make a man slow to anger, and it is his honor and glory to overlook a transgression or an offense without, it's the amplified version, without seeking revenge or harboring resentment. What is a harbor? A harbor is a place where ships go into, and it would be as silly as you inviting a pirate ship that was coming to steal, kill, and destroy into your harbor, into the harbor of your heart. He goes on, it goes on to say in Colossians 3.13, be even-tempered. That means not focusing on my feelings, not caught up in my feelings. Be even-tempered, content with second place. And this kills some of you guys, especially, <laughs> yeah, especially, yeah, especially some of you. Um, I'm not going to say quick to, quick to forgive. He doesn't say take your time and forgive him. When you're ready, process it. When you've told 15 people, then you're okay. He says be quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. See, it's not my right to say when I, offend, when, when I actually choose to forgive somebody. When I choose to quickly and completely Quickly and completely with not harboring any resentment. We're going to take it one step further. Not only does God call us to overlook the offense of others, but he also has some specific guidelines on how to handle an offense if you feel like you should say something. Jesus himself called in, I'm sorry, chimed in and clearly stated, if your brother or sister Sins against you, go to them. Tell them what they did wrong. Those are my quotes right there. Address it. Keep it between the two of you. Don't go tell everybody about it. He doesn't say go tell everybody, and when everybody gives you enough confidence to go smash that person, then you go and you tell them and you offload it on them. He says go to them. Tell them what they did wrong. Keep it between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them back. That's the goal. That's the goal. See, here's the problem, especially in the church, especially in the church. And I've been an offended person in the church as well. So I'm not talking at you. I'm talking with you. Instead of addressing the offense, like Jesus instructed, we instead choose to abort the relationship. I don't want to address. I, I, it takes courage to address an offense. Next slide. Eos, the meat mentality, the mature mentality, both addresses and overlooks. What ego does is ego's sneaky. Ego wants me to address when I should overlook and wants me to overlook when I should address. Here's my question. How do you know when to address conflict or overlook it? I live by this. If I feel 
like addressing it, I should probably overlook it. And if I feel like overlooking it, I should probably address it. Because if I feel like overlooking it, that's usually when God says, good. I need you completely humble. I need you completely gentle. I need you not with this firepower of God. I got it. Let me handle this. No, that's where God wants us to be. So, so far we said that my perception is what I see and my perspective is how I see it. But the sad truth is my perception, I'm sorry, my perception can be 100% accurate and my perspective can be 100% spot on. But if I don't have the power to execute my perspective, what I see and how I see it has zero impact on my life. Here's the key that leads us into the home stretch of the teaching today. My power is found through my proximity. My power to execute is found through proximity. To illustrate this, we're going to use the greatest example of all time by the greatest man of all time. You guys start clapping and I'm going to go. We're going to kind of have fun with it. So here we go. Start clapping. We're going to use the greatest example of all time by the greatest man of all time who executed to perfection the greatest display of self-control of all time, all while receiving the greatest and most unwarranted offenses of all time. Jesus, my Savior, my King, was about to go through the American gladiator obstacle of course of offenses, but he never... Not once, he never, not once, in case you didn't hear that big line I just said, American Gladiator, American Gladiator Obstacle Course of Offenses. It took me a while to write that. It was good. And he never, not once, became offended. This is the ultimate example. There is no greater example. Not one. Personally, these two reactions to the greatest offenses have become the backbone of my spiritual life. The verse. And he came out and went, as was his habit. Proximity his, his proximity was Jesus' habit. So he went to his play, prayer closet of the Mount Olives. Father, if you're willing. The Savior of the world approached his father with such humble respect. Father, if you're willing, remove this cup of divine wrath. Remove it from me. No, yet not, yet not my will, but always yours be done. What's funny is as soon as he addressed the offense of submission, which is the same offense that I had to address in my life, when the Bible says submit one to another, I had to submit that my wife's ways was what I was going to focus on on loving her. I, I, I was going to submit to what she needed. That was what my focus was. But it's amazing because at the point that we choose to submit 
to what God has for our life, for what God wants for our life. Here it is. Now an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. There was a choice of obedience, and then the strength came. I want to give you this phrase today. I'm going to give you two phrases as we leave, and I want you to use these through the holidays. What was he saying in all of this? He was saying, I trust you, Lord. I don't know, and I can see what I can't see, but I trust you, Lord. And see, the thing is, is when we say, I trust you, Lord, it doesn't mean that there's a road of roses ahead of us. Because after he said, I trust you, Lord, he went on to take offense after offense after offense, after offense, after offense, insult after insult after insult after insult. Ripping pieces off his back, and he didn't get offended. Mocking him, and he didn't get offended. But it was his proximity that gave him the power to be able to execute what he knew he was here to do. It was his, it, that was his proximity. So far we've said that my perception can be accurate and my perspective can be absolutely spot on. But it's the power that's found through my proximity to God that actually equips me. We wonder why we can't overcome offenses, why we walk around so offended, because we make it to church once a week. We make it to church once a month. People are gonna be coming through here in the weeks to come on Christmas that make it once a year. So how do we keep from being offended? How do we stay empowered? As I have to be connected to the vine We've said this in the weeks past, in order for me to have the power to execute God's will for my life. I have to be close to him. But there's one last piece, the piece that's been absolutely pivotal in overcoming and executing God's will in my life. Even in the worst offenses, I, this, whole, this whole message, I, God knows that, that that if we ever, if I ever at one point, if that's where God leads me to do a series, I just get, I'm like, God, that's enough already. Just more information. Like, I could have taken this. When I looked through my life and I saw times where I was offended by, by, by your dad, Emmanuel Karishi offended me because he didn't call me back in a time that I needed him to call me back. Never met him before, but I was offended. I was looking for reasons to be offended because the church that I came out of, I left that with an offense, and I took my offenses right into the new church that I was in. He didn't call me back. I decided four years later, after destroying my family, after almost destroying my life, my marriage, I ended up right back in Emmanuel Carisi's office. <laughs> but you see the power of offense. Him not calling me back, I could have said, I could have made an excuse and excused what he did. 
Man, after I met him and I knew him, I felt like such a fool. Such a fool. This last piece. In overcoming and executing God's will in my life, even in the worst defenses, the final piece of the puzzle is permission. Jesus' entire philosophy of loving my enemy, turning the other cheek, overlooking offenses, it just seems so countercultural, so backwards, so risky. But he didn't just preach it, he lived it. And he gave you and he gave me the permission, the permission that we need to execute amazing grace. He gave me the permission. Jesus' response to the most unwarranted and the most undeserved offensive attack of all time. Anything you faced, and I'm not minimizing what you faced, anything and everything you've ever faced, he faced worse. Here was his response. Jesus said, Father, you gotta understand, he's bloodied up. He's beat up. He's hung up. And this is what tells me that no kick, no punch, no insult, no flesh leaving his back. Any time did he ever say, oh, you're going to get yours. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, you punched me once. And I don't have, <laughs> yeah, I'm going. E <laughs> Please don't punch me. <laughs> you punched me once. I can't get past that, so let's keep moving. But to take all that he took, and it was his attitude that he had through the beating that he took that I believe, as I studied this, to say, whatever you're facing, there is no excuse. There is no excuse. You have permission to overlook. You have permission to get past. You have permission. Last slide. Here's the money statement. I trust you, Lord. Forgive them, for they don't know. No, they do know. Benefit of the doubt. We have to make excuses to excuse the offenses so that we don't live our lives offended. Stand with me as we close. In my parking lot, people, you guys can stay in here as well just for a second. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just pray for you. Father God, I just want to thank you for your word. God, you did and you gave the greatest example of all time. You showed us what it looked like to face offenses and not be offended. God, I pray that that would rest on us this morning. 
Lord, as we head into this Thanksgiving week, we're going to see family, we're going to see friends, we're going to see people. We're going to have so many, re- so many opportunities. Offenses, like you said, Lord, they will come. It's inevitable. But Lord, help us choose to overlook. Help us choose to give the same amazing grace that you gave us. I'm just sitting in the silence right now. I want to pray for some of you here today. You're holding on with a, a, just a grip. A grip. That's cutting the circulation off. I, I just see hands and they're interlocked and you've got it gripped. You do not want to let go of what happened. And I believe God's saying this morning to you that you've got to let it go. I want to grow you into the purpose that I created you for. I want to grow you into the you that I know that you can be. I've got big plans big things in store for you. But you'll never get to the big things if you keep being offended by the little things. Father, have your hand on your people today. I pray that this word would rest on their hearts. God, that it would take root and that they would use I trust you, Lord. I don't know what's going on, but I trust you. I don't know what's to come, but I trust you. There is peace that's found in trust. There is peace that's found that gives me patience to handle what I have to handle when I say I trust you, Lord. And when somebody attacks me, when somebody says something to me, when somebody does something to me that overthrows my expectations, that gets in the way of what I expected, that in that moment, we'll use use the greatest phrase of all time, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. In Jesus' name, seal this message, seal this word in our hearts, and all God's people said, Amen. amen. You guys have a wonderful week. Happy Thanksgiving, and we'll see you next week.